All right, here they are, Doug and Jess. But before we welcome them to the broadcast, let's take that 10th caller right now to win a gift certificate to two sorgals. That number is 412-922-1020. How are both of you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're both very tired. We were talking about it this morning. We're, we're worn out. Yeah, but it's not because we were rocking or rolling or anything no. fun like that. We were more rolling. <laughs> no, no rocking. Fishing and card playing. Yeah. Uh, separately. Yes. What Guess kind of, which one was fishing and which one which was, was playing card cards playing. with family. So yeah. what kind of cards were you playing? Uh, we were playing spoons. Ah. You know, I don't know if that's a thing out here in western Pennsylvania, but in eastern Pennsylvania where I grew up, it was like our family game that we would all get together and we would play. And, you know, you line the spoons up on the table and you have one less spoon than you have people sitting at the table. And then you play cards. And then if you get four of a kind, you sneak a spoon and then everybody else has to take a spoon, and then, like in musical chairs, the last man standing, huh. then he gets a letter S, and you have to spell spoons, and then you're out of the game. Is it okay to use but it's plastic, fun. plastic spoons because that's all I have? We have fi- there's fighting over who has the what happens when half of part one person has half the spoon, the other sounds yeah, easier than fun. euchre. Yeah. <laughs> so where were you fishing? Out in the, I can't tell you. <laughs> oh come on! Out east on a river. Nice all day. Yesterday, <laughs> if I told you the river, the guy who pointed me out to the river wouldn't ever talk to me again was it so. worth going there though nice oh, day yeah oh yeah what'd you catch a lot of fish what kind of fish uh large mouth of spotted bass Ooh. i was supposed to i was telling jess i was supposed to be off sooner but i ran into a school of fish that uh were hungry so it was just awesome. you know you know jess actually brought me some tomatoes and i was still wondering if you have any of those in your garden you might want to you know i was eating those last night when i got Doug, back off the boat you i forgot all about that i only want two or three i know okay Anyway, what's on your mind, and what's on your mind today in the way of gardening? I was thinking about you, Jess, because I planted some epimedium the other day, and the first time I ever saw epimedium was out at the farm, at the farm Mm -hmm. you used to have out Mm -hmm. there. And I was like, that plant grows underneath the trees? Yeah. Yeah. And so the epimedium that I've had in there, you know, we had that long dry spell. Yeah. It just looked great. Yep. You know, never got watered. It just looked, it just looked great. And so I put some more in, you know, something, I want to put something bulletproof in. And then yeah. That's a good word for that plant. Yeah. It really is bulletproof. And I've got a yeah. bunch of it in. I'm look at, looking for more too. Yeah. And of course, on sale. Yeah. Well, that helps <laughs> as well. So yeah, no, epimedium is great for dry shade, especially if you mm-hmm. have like pine trees, which it's extremely tough to get things to grow under pine trees, but epimedium is one of the things it does, and it makes just this beautiful ground cover. The only, I would say, negative about that plant is it's not a true evergreen. It's sort of semi-evergreen, so the leaves stay up most of the winter, but then so towards the end of the winter, they start to look a little ragged, and the leaves Yeah, because actually, and, I remember- yeah. But the flowers are so pretty, Last too. year, talking to you and saying, ah, I think I lost my epimedium, mm-hmm. because it was that time of the year, and then- it and then it boom, up it, was, up it, it comes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well, that's good. That's a good thing to plan. I need to get some out there and plant some bulbs uh, as well. And you and I were talking off air about what a beautiful year it has been for berries, yeah. for all the shrubs with berries. I think this is just my own personal take on what might have happened. So early in the season, we had so much rain, right? When all these shrubs were in flower and starting to set the berries was when we had all that moisture. And so I think... A lot as a result, a lot of the buried shrubs have just been beautiful. I passed the most amazing beautyberry. And for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with beautyberry, cal- calicarpa, it has these bright purple, beautiful berries all along these lovely arching stems. There's an American uh, beautyberry, and then there's uh, an Asian beautyberry as well. They're so lovely. 
you know, pick a native one if you can, but that it's a little harder to find in the trade. There's, there's, just a great there's plant. There's one growing at Phipps in the that outdoor garden, not the outdoor garden, but do they call it the children's garden? What is that garden where you can climb and everything and walk around? But they have a big one out there, and it, it since it's out in the sun, mm-hmm. it's like this big giant column. You know, mm. it's pretty amazing. But yeah, yeah those purple berries. I've got one called uh, Viburnum Chicago Luster that nice. I, I bought specifically for the birds, actually. Uh, and since deer don't like Viburnum, um, I found out, though, that they like the berries of Viburnum. Yeah, yeah. So the birds didn't get any. <laughs> the, the birds the got deer one. Got them. You've had some kind of wildlife, yeah. so that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. And my favorite Viburnum for berries is the Possum Hall Viburnum. Possum Hall, which is the weirdest name. Viburnum Newtum is the name. Possum. Um, Possum haw. haw. Yeah. Possum is in like the animal, but without the O. And haw, and then like haw, haw, H A W. Yeah. And it uh, it's a native again, and it, it produces these clusters of berries that are pink and blue. Mm. So when they first uh, become berries, they're pink, and then they ripen to a really deep blue. And a lot of times in each big cluster, like palm-sized cluster of berries, there's pink and blue combined. And so it's just such a beautiful look. And I saw it, the first time I saw it was at the United States Botanic Garden on the mall in Washington, D.C. And they have like a native planting out in the front. And I was like, what is that shrub? That is so cool. I'd never seen that combination of colors in berries before. Um, And I planted one, but it didn't make it one year. We had a drought and I forgot to water it and it didn't make it. But it's such a great plant. And I also thought of you. I did an interview with a guy and he was raving about buttonbush. I love buttonbush. And the first time I ever heard about buttonbushes, you were looking for one, and I found one at Han. Yep. And since then, it's become a big deal. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I was a native, and he was telling me, because he's a uh, you know, plantsman, but he also, he's a kayaker, so he's he was telling me that he sees it, you know, out in the wild, mm-hmm. close to the water, a lot. Yep, yep. It loves that sort of marshy, swampy, although... It also does just fine in regular garden soil, and I have mine just at the top of a retaining wall. But the round, sort of golf ball-sized, round, white flowers are a huge magnet for butterflies. And in fact, when that plant is in bloom at the same time as butterfly bushes, they prefer it. They prefer the button bush to the butterfly bush. So for me, if you're looking for a native replacement for what can be very invasive butterfly bushes... I would choose a button bush. Um, you can prune it to keep it a little smaller. There's a couple of varieties actually that are, um, there's one I think called Moonlight that is a cultivar that stays smaller. It only gets five feet tall instead of eight or 10 feet tall. Um, but you can even prune the, the straight species, prune it to keep it a little smaller. What I should have brought you today were pawpaws. And oh, did you get a good fruit set on yours? a good yours? fruit set Great. and uh, real late. Okay. This is like, Weeks later than the normal for some reason. Hmm. But again, the pawpaw, when when you know what to look for, it's all along our rivers. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, an, it's a native tropical fruit. And the first time I ever gave you one, you didn't like it. Yeah. But then you warmed up to it. Yeah. I'm still not super warm on it. But I'd like to try it again because it's been, I think the first time I had it, it was overripe. And the next time I had it, it was kind of not quite ripe. Not so quite. Had, as, like, not the, quite as bad. Yeah. Should it be like they should they be like as soft as a mango when a mango is ripe? Like how do you know when they're ripe? They won't come off the tree until they're ripe. Okay, That's so you kind pick of them the up trick. off the ground, basically. Uh, you shake the tree. Okay. I have <laughs> you a, just actually, see you out there. Well, shaking I've got tree. actually. I've got a. So I've, he's like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "I'm shaking my pawpaws." <laughs> I've got a video uh, <laughs> out there right now showing harvesting the pawpaws. Really? Yeah, and. Uh, 
the producer and videographer just leave how she slowed it down when the pawpaw comes down and hits me. Oh, it hits you? <laughs> yeah, oh, and geez. I'm going, oh, you know, the slow motion <laughs> thing. <laughs> We are going to take a break. Come back. Take all of your phone calls. We have room for you. We'd love to hear from you. 866-391-1020. Congratulations to Joan. Want yourself that gift certificate to Sorgles. We'll come back. It's Doug and Jess. It's the Organic Gardeners KDK Radio. It is Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners. Next hour, the Coons Cooking Hour. And meantime, let's say hi to uh, Bill in Apollo. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Good morning. Uh, good morning, guys. Hey, uh, I have been growing garlic about the last eight years. Friend got me started on it, and I had three points on it. I can just throw those out and hear your comments on them. One is, uh, this is the same stock I started with a lot of it. I was wondering about starting new plants from the baubles on the scapes and the uh, stalks. I think I tried it once, just end up with little balls. Uh, number two is, is our local um, maybe gardening or a garlic guru that I've either heard or read about you write, that I could uh, maybe buy some new stock. And number one, the reason is sometimes when I split the uh, heads apart, like I'm doing now for for planting, some of the cloves uh, open up, the peels come open, they look kind of dry, brownish, like they're not fresh, where others are smooth and glassy. I don't know if that might well, be let's go, the, let's, uh, let's go to, or what. Let's go to number three first. So on number three... When were those bulbs harvested? Just in July? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, early July. It looks like they're old almost. So they've already kind of started to make the transition that we would see if you had them laying around for a long time. Right, and I like to give a lot of these away, and I don't want to give them away if they're going to be opened. And How are bad. you storing them? Well, and are I you, are you store them. Are you cu- curing them? Pardon me? Are you curing them, giving them three weeks of curing, like in a... Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. And I've been hanging them in a dry basement. I This year I tried putting them in the uh, paper egg cartons. Okay, good. That's, that's how I do mine. Yeah. That's and I thought good. maybe I was over-drying over them in storage. No. It just happened other years, too. Or I don't know if my stock's getting old or something like that. I would personally, I would I would swap out with some new stock, and I would try to get multiple varieties because if you mm-hmm. have one year where one variety doesn't do very well, or you have a, a a fungal issue or something happen in the soil, then you have sort of backup varieties. So right. I would say get I a couple three different or four varieties. Good, okay. This is one of the originals. Okay. okay. So okay. even even your local nursery should have it. I was at Han the other day. They had music, German white, and chestnut red. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find... Right, those. I have music, now German red, and a couple originals. I don't know the variety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a couple new ones there. Now, from the, uh, you know, growing from those little ball... Bu- I call them ball bets, but ball bells is probably mm-hmm. more accurate it takes like five years for one of those little ball bets to 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 make a full-size uh head i it in the ground or do you pull it and dry and keep putting it back in i don't know to tell you the truth i think they just leave them i think they just leave them in the ground but i've never done it because it takes so long you know i just like those but they are technically a clone of Mm -hmm. the bulb below Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I would, uh, yeah, I would take if you really wanted to do it, take some, put it in, put it in some good compost like you would be planting your your garlic in, and see what happens. And I think they leave them in. 
I think they do yeah. too, but yeah. I'm not positive of that either. I've never tried it. Again, I don't have the patience to wait that long for a garlic. If you just have head. a nursery bed somewhere sitting around, yeah. maybe it would work. And then how about a, a local garlic guru? How about Enon Valley? Are they're, they no, they're, they're not around they're anymore. Done. Uh, okay. You know, I don't oh. know, you know, I don't know if, if there's a place like Enon Valley around anymore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like going to uh, yeah, and I like going to our local farmers market. Um, a lot of times the the farmers there will have garlic for sale and for planting. And so you just have mm-hmm. to talk to them about the varieties they're growing. The nice part about it is, you know, you're getting varieties that you know are going to grow well locally versus getting from mm-hmm. a garlic farm in California or somewhere else right. where you're not really sure that they're locally adapted. You so know, farmer's market's a great place for that. I know yeah, a guy. Feel local. Yeah. I know a guy that does it locally. I just don't know if he has any garlic left. If you just... Uh, my email address is dougoster at comcast.net. You can find that online, or you can find my mm-hmm. my trib ad- address on there. If you send me an email, I'll try and hook you up with him and see if he's got okay. garlic left. He grows about eight different varieties out east. We refer to him affectionately as the garlic king of Millvale. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I, I knew you'd talk about somebody like that. I yeah. planted a few cloves in pots in January. They came up great, but they never closed. I kept yeah. them in the house just to see what would happen. Yeah. And they were edible. Yeah. That's well, that's good. Fun. That's good. Even if you don't get a big, big bulb set and everything, I think it's still fun to Always great to have to another try. garlic fanatic out there. Yeah. We experiment a little bit. Here's Dan up next for Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Hello, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I had a, a walkway with some, uh, a landscaper planted false cypress along it. And he told me it would stay small and grow real slow. Well, it's about seven feet tall right now. And it's it's bushing up over the windows. You can't see past it. I was wondering if I could knock about a foot and a half off of those plants and not hurt it. Oh, I definitely wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's going to look like stump. Uh, it's one of those plants that when you cut the leader off like that, uh, too bad they put it yeah, there. That, that doesn't was a make bad sense. Choice. Oh, yeah. That, there, there it's are some really big and bushy. Yeah, oh. and there are some compact varieties uh, of that particular species of plant that would have been a better choice. It doesn't sound like they went with compact varieties um, there. I mean, you can trim sort of the girth of the plant, and uh, you know, to limit its size that way. You know, you have to make sure that your clippers are extremely clean. You know, use a, a like Lysol spray or a disinfectant wipe or a ten percent bleach solution before you go from plant to plant, because uh, yeah, Jess, I've been yeah. using the hedge clippers on them for the last three years, so I could walk up the walkway. Yeah, yeah. But it's the height that it's starting to block my view out the window, and I, yeah. I was just hoping I could chop some of the tops off and maybe train it a little bit like a hedge yeah i mean mm-hmm. like here's the thing you can people do all kinds of things but it's not it's gonna look stumpy and it's never gonna have its nice natural form so but what's the alternative ripping them out and replacing them with something else so right. you can try it and see how it looks and how it does and if it doesn't do good then take it out um at this point it doesn't sound like you have much of a choice unless you want to yeah, you know what time of year is the best time to do that in the winter yeah, I would do with an evergreen like that. I would do it in the winter. You can do it, um, you know, right before Christmas if you want to use those greens inside for decorations and things. Or you can do it even, you know, March, early March, late February would be another good time. All right. I guess that answers my question. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. About a minute left before the break. You too. Go ahead. Well, that's a good lesson learned there. 
we always see your research. You know, we always see plants put in the wrong place. It, it, poor guy, the landscaper told him it wasn't going to get big, and as soon as he said what it was, yeah, and, yeah, and then what do you do? Right, you know, exactly. what do you do? You know, you're you're really stuck. Yeah, because if you if you prune it and it doesn't look so hot, then you're sort of like, well, I spent all that time pruning it when I if I would have just taken it out and replaced it, but yeah. then that's a big job. And then you're not taking gonna... out big growth shrubs like that is a big job. And if you prune it, and it looks awful. You're not going to move it then. Right, you've just you've lost your right. investment. Right, and especially up against a walk like that as well. So not just height, but having to regularly keep things trimmed. And that's why I think, I mean with the most recent book that I have, Gardener's Guide to Compact Plants. I mean, that's why this world of compact plants is so important because you you have spaces like that where you need to have something that only gets three, four feet tall and three feet wide, and you don't want to be pruning it all the time. So that's why these compact plants are such a great choice. That's become a big deal. Yeah. Mr. Till is coming up. Yes, Dick Till from Davy Tree will be here. He just texted me and said he's down, getting ready to come in the, the, the door. So when we get to the break, I'm going to run down and get them. We're going to talk all about trees with the Davy Tree expert, Dick Till. Back in a moment. All right, before Mr. Till steps up to the microphone, Davy Tree's Talking Trees, let's take the 10th caller right now to win that $25 gift certificate to Janoski's, where Pumpkin Land is underway every weekend in October, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. That number is 412-922-1020. We are joined by Dick Till from Davy Tree. And, Dick, we're talking all about getting ready for winter. Why? Did Why? you just say the W word? Why do we have to talk about winter? It's going to be here. <laughs> nothing you can do about it. And uh, like you're talking about the fall foliage, you never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Same with the winter weather. You don't know if we're going to have a nice dry winter or a warm, wet, heavy snow winter. And uh, it's just good to keep the trees thinned out, make sure there's no big deadwood that's going to fall out and cause damage or hurt somebody. Um, and even just to thin the trees out to let the wind blow through them. Uh, if we get a heavy, wet snow, especially on some of the trees like the pear trees and pin oaks that tend to hold their leaves, uh, you get an early, wet, heavy snow, it can really cause damage. So do an inspection. Yeah, it should have a certified arborist, somebody that kind of knows what to look for, check them out and see you know, how thick they are, if they need thinned out, if you have weak, Sharp crotches might need a cable or a brace to help hold them together. And, um, you know, look for if you have a big cavity or a rotten spot and a big stem or in a trunk. Um, you know, look for conks and mushrooms around the base mm -hmm. of the tree. Uh, a lot of the decay-causing butt rots and root rots are fruit, you know, showing their fruiting structures right now. So mm -hmm. that's a sign you got a problem going inside there. And it's not just on deciduous trees that you should be doing this. It's also really important for your evergreens. Like if you have a big white pine or a big yellow pine, because they really hold a lot of snow in the winter. Right. And I think they're probably a little more flexible, right? Their branches. But do you see as much damage on those? Yeah. Well, especially the white pines. Anything that grows fast, you know, whether it's an angiosperm or a gymnosperm, when they grow fast, they tend to be weak. And the white pines grow fast. Mm -hmm. And you'll see it a lot of times if you get a heavy, wet snow on a big white pine, it'll break a top branch off and it hit another branch. Another branch will be okay. like dominoes and just wipe them out. Yeah. But it's hard on the pine trees. You can't really thin them out 
to prevent that. Mm -hmm. And if you got a big old pine, there's no way to get out there with a broom or a rake and knock yeah. the snow off them. So yeah. in that case, got to keep your fingers crossed and hope you don't get a heavy wet snow. So aside from sort of looking for, uh, you know, trouble spots on your trees and really uh, visually assessing and doing a good inspection, what else should we be doing to prepare our trees for the winter? Well, it's good, and it's always good to have some mulch around the root system there, uh, especially on the younger trees. Uh, you know, if you have a good two to three inches of mulch around the root zone, not up against the trunk, um, you know, it helps to mitigate the temperature extremes and keeps the moisture in and keeps the weeds and competition away from the tree. And uh, again, uh, some of those evergreens, if we go through a real dry spell, it's good to keep them watered because they transpire water you know, through the foliage, mm -hmm. even in the wintertime, you know, when it warms up, they still, and you don't want them to get desiccated and dry out. And how about yeah. for young trees watering before the ground freezes? Yeah, that's, it's good to give them a good deep watering. And, you know, luckily in the fall and the winter, we usually have rain and snow that's going to melt and help water them. But if we do go through a dry spell, it's good to keep them a good deep watering. Mm-hmm. And with the um, this time of year as well, like, is there anything that we should do in terms of fertilization to help our trees get safely through the winter? Or are we pretty much done with that for this no, time of year? It's good. You can fertilize in the fall. Um, if you have a slow-release fertilizer, low-salt index fertilizer, uh, as long as the ground isn't frozen, the roots are still active, and they'll still be taking in the nutrients and the moisture, and it'll strengthen them up, and in the springtime, they'll come out a lot nicer. Mm -hmm. So how would you rate the season? Was it a good, bad season for trees? How how overall was it? It was it was good. Um, just like last year, you know, last year we had rain all year. There was no break. Now this past three four weeks, it's been pretty dry around here, but there's still enough deep moisture that the trees, especially the fast growing trees, like river birches, silver maples, sycamores, you know, they all put on six to eight, even ten inches of growth this year. And now that we went through this little dry spell, <clears throat> uh, a lot of the birch, that's a lot of calls I get for birch trees and sycamores, like they're losing their leaves. Well, the leaves pretty much did their job for the year. And mm -hmm. even if all the leaves fell off right now, it's the, you know, they have all their buds set for next year. So they'll be fine. But now yeah, it, since it's dried out recently, we're getting a lot of phone calls. And then, of course, the hemlocks and the white pines, the older inner growth is starting to turn brown and fall off, mm -hmm. which is just natural. And that's something we should really stress because we get a lot of people yeah. that their arbovita, their mm. white pines are like, oh, my gosh, it's all turning yellow on the inside. All the needles are falling off. What What's going on? My plant is dying. Yeah. But they just... drop, like just like a deciduous tree drops its leaves this time of year, those evergreens often shed the older inner needles, too. Right. And it's... People panic about it. Yeah, and it's just natural. Even though they're called evergreens, the needles, and it depends. Some last for three years, some four, some five years even. But the older inner growth, uh, when the sun doesn't shine on it, it's not photosynthesizing the food for the roots, so the tree just kind of shuts them off. And as long as the tips are green, you know, all woody plants grow from the tips out. So mm -hmm. as long as the tips are green, it's you're probably pretty good. And I always liked when that happened on the white pines we used to have at, at the the farm years ago because I would go out and I would rake up all those needles because they actually make great mulch, especially mm -hmm. for 
um, like blueberries, an acid-loving like plant. Acid loving, right. Yeah, I mean, they they just make a nice matrix over mm-hmm. the soil that really helps protect it from weeds, and weeds don't right. set seed in it. So rake up, rake them up and use them as mulch. Right, that's what they do down south. They actually call it pine straw. Mm-hmm. You can buy bales of pine needles, and especially for the acid-loving plants. In my landscape, I was so glad that I did not have hemlock woolly adalgia nearly as bad this year as past years. Are you seeing that region-wide, or is it? am I just lucky? Um, it's kind of hit and miss. There's different areas where, uh, you know, where it's pretty bad. Um, there's another problem with the hemlocks, the uh, elongated scale, needle scale. Um, we've been seeing a lot of that this year. But uh, the adelgids, if we have a nice cold winter, a lot of those will get frozen out. Mm-hmm. That's what I think happened in my case, because we did have a little cold spell there. Yeah, but um, yeah, this year hasn't been quite as bad. But you know, there are hot spots here and there that where we're finding the adelgids. Great. Well, thank you so much. As always, such great advice from the experts at Davy Tree. And I hope you'll stick around. If anybody has any tree questions, they can sure. call in. Great. Well, for more information about Davy Tree and to ask what's going on with your trees, go to davy.com slash kdka. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. And congratulations to Tom, winner of that gift certificate uh, from Janowski's. Next hour, it's all about shortcuts when it comes to cooking with Joe and Frank Dentisi on the Coons Cooking Hour. All right, let's say hi to Joe, who's been very patient, waiting to talk to the gang today. So, uh, Joe, it's all yours. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Hey, I drive Allegheny River Boulevard a lot, and throughout the summer, I watch the (laughs) the foliage growing up on either side of the road. And then about three weeks ago, I was going down the ARB, and everything on either side is a ugly, ugly brown. Uh, what what happened? Did they spray something? Yep. 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 So they do uh, regular maintenance. Road maintenance is spraying herbicides on the side of the road to to knock back whatever is growing there. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's Japanese knotweed and some other, you know, invasive plant. Uh, But sometimes it's really good plants, especially if someone has taken the time to purposefully plant their roadside planting. And that's sometimes why you'll see a sign up that says no spray. Um, yeah, to let the road department. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, when you see that happen, it's intentional herbicide application by the the road department. Is it pretty dangerous? Yes. uh, Yeah. There's certainly not chemicals I would ever use. Uh, they are regulated. You have to be a licensed, um, applicator to be able to use them. Um, and they're, they're probably a product that is not even available to the average consumer. And if they're using 2,4-D which is a common herbicide, that was 50% of the ingredient for Agent Orange. So that should tell you something. Yep. Pretty time, intense stuff. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All, Denise Schreiber. How are you, Denise? Uh, good. I got a couple of comments. One, the gentleman just called about along Allegheny River Boulevard. Most road crews actually can't use something with 2,4-D. It's simply too expensive for them to use. So they usually do use Roundup or some form of it. Um, just because of my years working with our public works department, I know that's what they usually use. So, and the other gentleman who had the false cypress that the landscaper told him, oh, it's going to stay small. 
You know, just because they have a lawnmower and a truck does not make them a landscaper. Um, 99% of these people that do that kind of work have no training whatsoever about plants. You know, they just see, you know, the volcano mulches and, you know, Bradford pears, and they think that, oh, this is a good way to make some quick money. Um, And Dick, I'm sure, can confirm that this time of year, they're going around saying, oh, let me trim your tree for you. And you get the the lollipops that they come around. And, you know, then the next spring you see all the water sprouts coming up. So when people are looking to have some real landscaping done or somebody comes and says, says, you know, they can do some work for them, ask them for references. Go see their work that's maybe five years old. Good advice, Mrs. Know-it-all, as always. All right, right back to the phones. Carmen in Greensburg, up next for the gang. Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Hey, Carmen. Hello. Uh, I have a problem with uh, a poplar tree growth in my yard. I had one I cut down in the middle of the yard, oh, about uh, 15 years ago. It wasn't something I planted. It came up from the predecessor of over 50 years ago. Well, I noticed this year another one's growing within a foot of my house. And uh, uh, I didn't propagate it. I didn't plant it. Uh, Did they come up from old, old, old roots? Uh, uh, How can I stop these from coming up? I'm 79 years old. I don't want to be chopping trees down. What do you think, Dick? Yeah, a lot of those trees that are prolific sprouters, like the poplars, even black locusts, uh, those sprouts can come up from the roots. You know, those are true suckers. We get uh, stem tissue coming from root tissue. That's a true sucker. Um, unless you can dig it out or grind it out, um, you're going to be but, cutting it down yeah. every time you see it, right? Yeah. And if you just if you keep cutting them down when they're small, you know, eventually they'll run out of energy. But it's amazing uh, the stored carbohydrates in some of those root systems will last for years and. It's a battle. And there's really no easy answer to yeah. it either. Like, there's no magic bullet to make them stop coming up. Is there? Like, I don't think there is. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was. And I know it's a problem with sassafras as well. Like, if you have a big sassafras tree and you cut it down, you're going to get all the suckers coming up from the root system. And as he mentioned, it can be yards away from the original mm-hmm. tree because that's how far that root system has spread. So Yeah, that's what yeah. people think when you cut them down, they're just going to sprout up from the trunk, the old trunk, but they'll pop up from the roots, you know, 15, yeah. 20 feet from the old Do stump. aspen do that too? Mm-hmm. And that's how they form a grove like that in right. aspen because it's all the root suckers yeah, coming it's like up. a big communal root system. Okay. Right? All right, we have time for one more call. Let's go to Allison Park and say good morning to Cindy. Hey, Cindy, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about groundhogs. Um, my daughter has, um, has a garden with a fence. She planted some Brussels sprouts. She put a actually a milk crate over them put coyote urine around that and sprayed the plants with repelzol, but it still wasn't enough. Mm. Do you have something else that you have luck with repelling a groundhog in the garden? Uh, Dick does, but he he won't tell you what it is. (laughs) A lethal weapon, right? A lethal weapon. Lead poisoning. Yeah. (laughs) He comes out at night, you know? Yeah. It's a trap. I mean, you have to yeah, you yeah. have to set a trap for them. Um, there, there's a brand of trap called Have a Heart, which is a live trap. 
um, you know, the hard part is what do you do with them after you trap them? Because technically they are a, uh, you know, you're not supposed to relocate them to somewhere right. else. So yeah. you know, that's something I'll leave up to you. But uh, they are trapped and that you can do the live trap and actually really ripe cantaloupe or marshmallows are a great bait and, to use. And just leave the trap open during the day, actually. That's when yes. a, a groundhog actively feeds is during the day. You don't want to catch... A what's, skunk. Yeah, what's running around at night. Yeah. Oh, I see. Well, the marshmallow, what was the other one you, you said? A really ripe cantaloupe. A really ripe cantaloupe. Yep. Well, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll try that. Good, yeah, tell, good her, luck. I, yeah, good tell luck. her I said good luck because you can't have a garden and a groundhog at the same time. And you're probably going to end up catching more than one. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's really a pain, I'll yeah. tell you. And you yeah. had groundhog problems this year. We right? still have a giant groundhog. I looked out the back. Oh. Usually if we have them, they're way up in the back of the yard, which is not a big deal because there's not much up there that they can eat. But this year there is a giant one <sighs> right down. And he was right off of the patio. And I looked out the window, and there he was. And I was like, oh, man. I don't know where he has a burrow somewhere behind a bush out there. But we're going to have to trap him and... Yeah, and they're they're so stinky. Yeah, I know it. Uh, and you can you're like, oh, I smell a groundhog around. Uh, almost worse than a skunk in you know, a lot of you, ways. You're not supposed to move them, but I certainly don't have the heart to kill them. So, and you can't have a garden, so it, it's a quandary. You're just a rule breaker. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> There's gonna be. I a forgot. Story I here. wanted to bring this up. Yeah, you called me sensitive guy last week. Did I? Yeah, and I was like. She called me a sensitive guy. Yeah, you're talking about This Is Us. She said, you'd like that show because you're a sensitive yeah. guy. Yeah. I can't believe you don't watch do you This think, Is Us. Dick? It's in Pittsburgh. <laughs> it takes place in Pittsburgh. You think I'm a sensitive guy? Oh, yeah. Softy. <laughs> <laughs> said in that deep voice. You're deep. Yeah, you're a real softy. <laughs> Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live.